0: G'day everybody
1: and good, good morning.
0: morning. I've got my cup of tea, hang on for a
2: second.
1: Or good evening, could be good evening if you're in the good States. Good
2: evening, yes. <clears throat> so today we thought we'd talk about uh, screen memory technology. And we've got a few guests that we'll be bringing on as well Yeah. to talk about
1: it. Yep. and we're just going to do the thing where we say, we can see you saying hello. Yes. We're not as good as Lynn at quicking on those things, so hello to everybody that is already saying hello to us this morning and thank you for being here. Okay, so um, what are we going to say about that? Neil and Thomas are going to come on with us in just a minute. Their um, full bio information is in the show information if you uh, click on the show more button on YouTube and so you can read all of that in a second. So. I'm going to try and make the technology work and click on the right button. And hopefully they're here.
2: There's Neil and there's Thomas. Yep,
1: don't forget to unmute, guys. Don't forget to
2: unmute. I
0: think I'm
1: unmuted. Can you guys hear me? Hi, guys. We
0: can hear you. Yep, all good. (laughs) Okay.
2: All right, so the way we're going to start is I'm just going to talk basically about screen memories and then I'll get uh, you guys to introduce yourselves and then we'll start with the, the chats. How about that? All right. That sounds good. So most people that have interacted with extraterrestrials have been subjected to some sort of consciousness tampering and this is screen memory. Um, We've got a couple of categories that we work with and we use those categories because it's much easier to understand how they are layered and how they overlap with each other as well. So I'll give you an example. If a person has um, missing time, so they're driving along and supposed to take 20 minutes to get to work but it takes three hours or something that's class a screen memory all right and they're basically uh immovable at some point they just don't come down generally uh class b screen memories are the narrative so a person could be on craft uh they could be um holding a child they could be flying a craft but what's actually happening is is that that their human consciousness is being um, told this narrative, but something else is happening to them. Uh, Class C is the screen memory that takes place where you've had contact and you don't remember, but 20 or years later or 10 years later, suddenly it drops and you just remember everything. They're, they're the time released uh, screen memories. Class D um, are to do with uh, hybrid constructs. And uh, they're a... a quite difficult to understand. So I'm just going to skip past them. And category E is to do with when you initially are about to have contact or be taken, you will see an owl, a clown, a deer or something. And they're different overlays. Mm. They're narratives that um, a human is given to shield them from seeing the extraterrestrials. I
1: like—I like to call those ones partial overlays. Partial yeah, overlays. it's weird because you're, you're kind of you're aware of what the the event that's happening, but um yeah. you uh, you get like. Like the uh, actual ET being is um, an owl or a deer or something random. <laughs>
2: All right. Yeah. So I, I
1: was just going to say before we go any further that yeah. the information that we, we have about screen memories really does come from uh, our own contact with the zetas that we work with. Yeah. Um, and so the information that Paul just given there about those different categories really is mainly applicable to. Zeta beings. Other races do use screen memories and through um, talking to lots of people as we help a lot of experiences to work through their um, contact, you know, we we know that other races are definitely using screen memories and we're kind of getting a a feel for, for what the other races are doing. A lot of the other races will try and mimic the processes that the, the zetas, and when I use the word zetas, I mean the the overall grey races, and I'm excluding the uh, abductors in that. that um, you know, so they'll mimic those processes, um, but. I just wanted to say to people watching, that's where our information uh, generally comes from. The zetas, the great, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I'm talking about. All
2: right, so Neil, would you like to uh, give us uh, a description about your uh, life story? Thank you.
3: <laughs> like I said, we'll, we'll keep it brief. Um, <laughs> I'm 52 years old. I live in Akron, Ohio. Um, I do marketing by day. Um, i've been an artist and musician uh creative type all my life um had contact uh since the early age of about two or three was my first experience with craft and then um it's been ongoing um it it's uh, started um in my 20s my well 1920 i started having Pretty regular contact with uh, with encounters with uh, craft and orbs, and um, been an, a contact experiencer since then. And have um, recently wrote a chapter for the Ccri group out in uh, out in uh, Ray Hernandez's group out in Berkeley, California, and uh, have been trying to uh, reach out to other experiencers over the last couple of years since I came out about talking about my experiences.
2: Cry. And uh, Thomas.
0: So um, it's interesting, I, I would say that I have had not well, since I was very small, I've had um, a cluster of experiences later uh, in my life, uh, identified as intensely um, involved with ufology um, and uh, missing time episodes, but a little bit more hybrid. Uh, early in, in my life, as early as two or three years old, I had um, a, a being that appeared out of the wall. He would he would come and visit me in, in front of me at night. I recall that clearly. Um, and, and then later I became interested in u- ufology just before I had a very profound um, missing time episode of my home. I, I awakened and there was craft outside my window um, and then uh, later, uh, I, I got into uh, being a TV meteorologist at the ripe old age of 21, and I worked for a number of affiliates in the United States. Um, and it seemed as if, as I, I think about it, that the missing time episodes and craft uh, encounters that I had, as I recall, through screen memories, occurred when i was going through transitions between these tv stations they they seemed to happen at at key pivotal times where my my the the direction that i thought i was was going to be going got rearranged in another another direction so um at least that's my interpretation of it it was almost like an intervention or something um maybe at a crisis point um so i i view the experiences as being pretty constructive and part of my my own personal growth you know and and, um Mm -hmm. It, it's almost like my interpretation is what and somebody would say a higher power or not re, not religious, but really a very personal. Um, yeah, personal <clears throat> redirection and, and direct engagement in my own evolve evolving person personhood. Yeah. <laughs> OK,
2: OK, yeah. Mar, 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 um, Marios, is it Marios? No has said maybe they manipulate our brains and we can see animals like owls i was
1: going to say let's start with the partial overlays lots of owls already
2: lots of owls Mm. but the thing is neil do you want to talk about those experiences that you've had
3: i've got a lot of owl stuff going on
1: um hands up who's had owls (laughs) yeah
3: the, the uh the first major experience that I had at age 19 started with, uh, uh, me and two people who, who, uh, witnessed this owl and this owl, it was like, it wanted to get our attention. It hooted and flew across our view where we were facing at this lake and we were camping outside of, uh, Tampa, uh, in Florida. And, um, Went into this whole experience. The owl flew across our vision and landed in a tree to our right, and was observing us. And it was a huge, huge horned owl. For me, it tends to be great horned owls. Um, it it looked like it was probably about uh, three and a half feet tall. It was that big of an owl from from feet to the top of its head, and. Yeah. Um, it just perched up in the tree and was observing us. And uh, what had made me notice the first craft was when I watched the owl fly by, I noticed this star that was up in the sky that was blinking colors. And that's what drew me, it drew my attention to the craft. And then this whole experience unraveled with me and these two people uh, camping out in the woods. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I had a similar, Experience. So I was walking home with a friend, it was quite late at night when I was, I don't know, 14, 15. Uh, it was like 1am, 2am, very quiet, little sleepy town in uh, Hampshire in uh, the UK and we'd, we'd stopped to um, look over the, we were going up a hill and we stopped to look at the view over the city and this oversized barn owl, it was barn owls for me, white, so white underneath, just it oversized flew over really low, so you it, it seemed about I don't know ten meters above our heads,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and it was huge. And we both all I remember is just both standing there watching this thing, this owl fly. Uh, no motion. It was like it was gliding in, and it <laughs> and it just carried on going. And I remember we both stopped and. Sort of went what what just happened did that what just we were both utterly disorientated and confused got home i don't know what time it was definitely missing about an hour there (laughs) it was very odd
0: right so thomas yeah i actually had an owl experience i was um i was visiting with a relative who was a primary care physician and i was explaining to him the nature of several seamless Missing Time episodes that I had had and and the narrative around it. And as we were talking, a gigantic owl flew over his house and landed on the tree line. It was was huge. It must've been three and a half to four feet tall. And I said, he saw it. I said, look at that owl. He said, we don't have any owls around here. And it was huge. And that was not lost on me. I thought, interesting. Was that, you know, somebody monitoring us or was that confirmation or was it both? Yeah. So yeah. what's
1: what's going on with this? Why why are they showing us? Well, owls it, be they. Hawks
2: if you know, if it is an owl, then it's yeah. an owl, and a bird is a bird is a bird. But mm. if it's not, if it's not that, then it's a construct, and the constructs are put in place because they're attention grabbing. For a first, you know, like you you are looking at it. Yeah. The second thing is that you're not in any real fear because you're seeing the owl, uh, and but behind what's going on there is you then moving into an altered state and possibly being brought onto craft now at that point in time could be an a class screen memory because then you've got missing time it can be for five five or five minutes maximum Mm. but for them you could have been on board for an hour but for your physical time reference it's only five minutes
1: yeah okay and it's other animals as well it's not just ours Neil Neil. you've got to do You've got to tell the deer
3: story well i have to tell, i have to tell this other the this other owl experience because i'm Wait, oh. well oh i have m- multiple owl experiences um i had an owl a year ago that uh, i had contact with uh out in the woods and i th- this was an interesting experience i have gone back to a place where I had, had this experience back in 2012. I used to live in an apartment complex with my young son at that time. And uh, there was a, a wilderness area that was uh, back at the, behind my apartment building. And I would go back there and I would spend a lot of time by myself during the day and uh, go out there and meditate and, and, and hang out in the woods. Well I had this experience in, in the middle of the day, like probably at like 11 in the in the morning uh, with a huge giant barn owl that that appeared I was in the woods walking and uh, at, it appeared out of nowhere with a giant black raven following it in tandem they were right next to each other and they're natural enemies they don't normally be our seen together this owl flew right over the top of my head its feathers practically touched the top of my head and i ran after it for probably about Five to eight minutes in the woods, I followed them, and they were just flying about six feet off of the ground, next to each other, in front of me. Um, as they flew through the woods, I was running behind them. And then, I went back to that area a year ago, and before I walk into the woods, I kind of said a prayer to the spirit to, to you know, offer up permission to go into the woods, and and you know that I was being coming there with respect. And out of nowhere. The uh, I hear a great horned owl hoot out to me. So it calls out to me, and I called back to it. I went into the woods, and I never wear a watch, so I don't know if I had missing time during this event or not. But I, I went into the woods, and I, I found a spot that had a, somebody had drug an old couch out into the middle of the woods. So I sat down on the couch, and it was starting to, the, the sun was starting to go down, it was, it was starting to be dust. And out of nowhere, that owl flies over to a tree literally uh, 20 feet, 25 feet away from me and perches in the tree and was there for a a good length of time. I, I remember sitting there for at least a half an hour. Might have been longer because then all of a sudden, I don't remember anything after. I don't remember the owl flying off. I remember sitting there, the owl was observing me, it was up in the tree, and then the next thing I remember um, was there was an object in the sky that was uh, just a bright light, there was no strobes off of it like an airplane or anything like that, there was no noise, and it was just heading slowly uh, off in the sky when when I was just like, um, okay, I guess I should get out of here, it's getting dark, and the the owl was gone, so I don't know if that was...
2: Do you remember being on board on craft? Like, nope, you ever, not at all.
3: Nothing. Yeah. I, I just remember sitting there, hanging out. I remember communicating with the bird, with the bird came over to the tree and I was kind of laughing. I was just like, I know that you're not a, I know you're not an owl. And yeah. it was just watching me. And I've had, I've had dream experiences with owls where I woke up with marks. I had this dream where I encountered, uh, I w- was encountering two uh, great horned owls uh, that were climbing on me. I was I was sitting in a park, like setting with trees. And um, the, literally the interesting thing about the one that happened in the woods a year ago was the following day, I swear to God, it was the same owl, uh, came to my apartment like, uh, I had gotten locked out of my apartment, and I had this totally crazy experience where I was waiting in my hallway um, to uh, to uh, get into my apartment, waiting for the landlord to come over. And somebody had let me into the hallway, so I was sitting up on the stoop. I lived in the third floor. I had left my window open, like, halfway, completely open. And this was in the winter. And um, it was the very next day after going back from the woods i i uh i hear something in my apartment when i'm sitting on the hallway and it was really weird it sounded like uh somebody coming up and down the steps like a small person like a child because you know i had a, a song it reminded me of like a size of a toddler it sounded like somebody on the other side of the door and i felt like this psychic connection at that point and i was just like i can hear you in my mind i said this i said i can hear you i know you're the owl And you're in my apartment. And I heard footsteps patter up the steps into my apartment. And I was just like, am I losing my mind? What's going on? And I I, I started to freak out. And I was like, I'm going outside to smoke a cigarette. So I went down to my porch. And immediately when I stepped onto my porch, something said, look up. And I looked up when I stepped off the porch. And the owl leapt off of the, the roof, was up on my window sill. Leapt off of the roof and flew right over my head landed in the tree across the street and turned around and was looking at me and hooted at me three times
2: three times that's interesting now Thomas you've had missing time events as well
0: I have the one that involved uh animals uh was one that occurred in the Berkshires of uh Massachusetts in the United States I had I had retrieved a uh, a van that I drove from Indiana to, uh, to Maine and passing through Western Massachusetts at about midnight. Uh, I remember getting gasoline in Amsterdam, New York. I got to Williamstown, Massachusetts at 1.05 a.m. Uh, and something had me look to the right and I saw what was a peach colored light over the Berkshire Mountains in Western Massachusetts. And I looked at it, I thought, well, it's probably a TV antenna. I said, no, it's a peach color light. I just matter of factly said to myself, I was probably a UFO, just like that. Um, And so I was in, from that point going forward, what I would describe as what seemed like a hypnagogic state, where Mm -hmm. I was aware that it seemed like it was taking forever to get to Route 2, which was the main highway between that point in southern New Hampshire, where I was to be at my dad's house, he was still alive at that point. And so something then had me look at my watch and it was suddenly 4.15. And I, I knew exactly where I was before and I was in the same spot. I was in a short sleeve shirt, blue. It was also 45 degrees outside and three hours had passed and I wasn't cold. Um, um, so I had had other missing time episodes. Now at that point, when it was 4.15, I looked ahead of me and there were deer on the side, the side of the road. And then there weren't deer.
3: Yeah.
0: They were there okay. and they were looking at me, and I I got a, a sense of comfort from them, wow. and it's like all's well, and then they were gone. Well,
2: wow. well, wow. yeah. And also, um, you know, in regards to deer, I'm sure that Neil's got a really good uh, tale about deer as well. Yeah. Yeah. The,
3: the this was from uh, 2019 um i was living out in kent ohio and uh i i wasn't having a whole lot of activity during that time but um uh i'd gone out to get something to eat and i was driving back from from picking up some drive through and um when i got out to the stars were just coming out and when i got to the place where i was going into the house um I was looking at the scars and and, and um I, I usually do a meditation if i'm out there and 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 uh, look, observing on a clear night and a lot of times i'll get activity well um i've told you uh, about this this encounters that i've had with uh, this racquetball sized uh blue orb that uh, appears to me so i had gotten out of the car and i was looking at the sky and 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 uh reached out mentally to them and then out of nowhere probably about 20 feet in front of me the orb appears and flew for about three or four feet and then flashed and disappeared well i just giggled and laughed and was just like thank you you know and went inside um didn't think anything of it went to bed i had laid in bed uh before i fell asleep looking at the phone on the internet and then um fell asleep woke up sometime later with complete uh, sleep paralysis. Um, I was laying in bed. I could not move anything except my eyes. Um, I was fully conscious, fully aware in like a heightened hyper sense. Uh, um, I, I felt a presence in the room immediately. Um, I've had this happen to me several times over the course of my life. Uh, but this whole experience was just super odd because it started with the orb and then I went to bed and I wake up and I'm, I'm in full paralysis. I I broke free of that by wiggling my pinky. I wiggled my left pinky to the point where I was able to break it and I hopped up. And then I felt the presence leave the room as I hopped up and I ran to the window and I looked out the window and it was pitch black out. And I immediately just looked down to the road. I was in the second story of this building. I looked down to the road and there were three female deer just looking up in perfect sync with me, they both like when I looked down. All three of them looked up at me in perfect sync, and were staring at me. And I was just like, "Okay, this is really weird." You know, it's like three in the morning, and these deer are just walking. I mean, walking up a residential street. It, 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 we, I wasn't in a real wooded area or anything like that. This was like a pretty, uh, a pretty uh, populated area. And they, yeah. they looked at me and yeah. then they they, both, they all three looked away at the same time and then trotted off back down the street. And I went back to bed.
2: Yeah. You know, it's really interesting because <clears throat> from um, the Zeta perspective, <clears throat> you know, if, if you're gonna interact with uh, humans or not be seen by humans, then you're gonna need either two things. You're gonna either need the ability to be able to shield what you look like um, in you know, in consciousness, or you're going to need some level of technology that's basically on craft that's going to amplify the ability of the beings to present themselves in a way that they seem to be something that they're not.
1: But and that's for our benefit. They they really <clears throat> do try not to uh, freak us out. So you know, we, we hear of the, the stories of the younger younger memories. <clears throat> so, I, you know, I, I've seen six-foot rabbits in my lounge when there shouldn't be six-foot rabbits. You hear people talking about clowns and then developing this terrible phobia of clowns. So I think they really they really do try to well, that's spare like, us to stress. That's
2: like the time Pan materialized in the house.
1: It, you've got to explain how, oh, okay. what that's about. So that we had, um,
2: there was, um, I, I had my back to the wall uh, you know, I was standing uh, sort of five meters from the door, but I had my back to the door and there was four people in front of me and they stopped talking to me and were looking around me and I turned around and I saw this being crouching in the doorway and we all know how high doors are and it was pan, uh, you know, legs and curly whirlies and all the rest of it. And we all just looked at this being and it stayed there, it didn't disappear. And so I walked over to the being and the being would have only been not even a meter from me. So and still solid, solid, you know, like you could touch it, but I wasn't going to touch it. And I just said to her, look, you're not supposed to be here. Now I was in some sort of altered state because to be walking up to a being that's over seven or eight feet tall. And just saying that when you're looking up at them, Um, You you know, there should have been some level of fear at some point, but there was nothing. and The being instantly disappeared in front of everybody. So this being was there the whole time, you know, like maybe a minute or two minutes, whatever, uh, and everybody could see the being, they were solid. It was only years later when we were talking to the Zetas that we realised that there was actually an extraterrestrial and the extraterrestrial had come into the house. And it scanned through one of the people's minds to see an image that we may accept because they don't know the difference between what they perceive as a good or bad or indifferent image and so when they materialized in the in the house that way in full daylight they thought that that was an image that we would accept
1: because of the of the children <clears throat>
2: because of the children
1: had been reading um christian fables or something yeah. or, or yeah. something to do with that so they've taken the image from the child's mind thinking that would be you know that Unless, wouldn't scare yeah. scare anybody because of course it's in the <clears throat> child's mind and they've misunderstood that, that perhaps that wasn't the right
2: like, well yeah we had to explain to to go years, with. <laughs> years later but uh, um yeah uh, have you guys ever else. been given any healings or anything from from beings
0: i well, in relation to that, uh, possibly I, I will. Re- re- I can report that during my missing time a- episodes, um, I had been in an, an anxious state. Let's say, if I was destination uh, driven, um, uh, I could be tired, uh, anxious, and so forth. And then, upon the realization that there was. seamless missing time episode one of them involved a trip from washington dc to savannah georgia um there were three hours that were missing and it took me a while to figure out that that was unusual that was the first missing time episode that i had but i was very very calm and that was the case with all of my missing time episodes so the question i have is, is does that designate does that Represent a healing of sorts that there was a re- there was an understanding that maybe I was under stress that I was going in a particular direction in my life, and that was part of a redirection that was going on, or was it event driven in that they knew that I was driving and they didn't want me to be freaked out driving on the road because they realized there was implications for <clears> the <throat> other people around me, or maybe it was a combination of both.
2: <laughs> Interesting because I've actually been driving along and. Um... I had a Zeta turn up next to me in the vehicle, you know, in the passenger seat, and was looking at the controls of the car and said to me, do you mind if I learn to drive the vehicle? And I said, well, I would prefer that you didn't uh, because, you know, know, they sort of convinced me that it would be okay. And next thing I know, they've got hold of the steering wheel and we're doing about 80 kilometres an hour on a freeway and the car's slowly veering off very slowly veering off the the road towards a concrete pillar. And I'm saying to the being, you need to turn the steering wheel. And the being says to me, what's the steering wheel? I said, listen, you've, you've got hold of the steering wheel. You, you need to, and now I'm starting to worry that it's suddenly going to go like this, right? And flip the vehicle over. And so I've sort of tried to push myself forward, my consciousness, and tried to take control of the vehicle. And it was really difficult to do it, but I managed to just even move a, a couple of mil and keep the vehicle on the road. After about, um, I don't know, maybe a kilometer, I said, Listen, we can't do this. I said, I don't mind teaching you if we're somewhere else where there's no other traffic. I said, But this is a bit dangerous. And, you know, you could be harmed, I could be harmed, whatever. And then the being just left. Mm. Yeah. So, you know i'm not sure how often that happens to people but anyway I well,
3: didn't
0: have a- the, the question i have is that what goes on with people that you know what happened in the three to four hour missing time episodes that i have that i don't mm-hmm. recall there may have been an enormous amount of activity that occurred that my conscious self did not recall
2: well there's the thing you see the thing is is that in that three hour time you know, don't believe for, for, for a minute that you were on a, a stainless steel table in a craft for three hours, because you wouldn't have been. They're not that incompetent. So the thing is, is that, you know, there could have been that while you were, your time was missing, you were actually walking around interacting with different beings. Uh, they were talking to you, but your consciousness is um, unable to um, hold the the memories and the thoughts of that processes, because the difference between the the time compression, the space-time compression is so different that when you're on craft, and I'll explain this a different way in a minute, when you're on craft, you're getting accelerated memories, and when you come back here, they're compressed. So quite often when the Zetas are talking to us, we'll be getting noises on audio. We then take the a snap and we stretch it out and it could be 10 or 20 different clicks. Now, I think that's because they're in a different frequency. With spirit people, we get the same thing. So when they put their speaking onto an audio because they're on a, a higher frequency, it comes up as a, when we stretch it out, it's actually a full sentence spoken by them in English.
0: What about tones, Paul? I hear Occasional, I'll hear warning tones or reassuring tones, um, like a hearing test tone that's the best the best way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, they're sorry, will Go on,
3: a high pitched ringing in your ear. Yep, but yeah, also I get, intermediate. I get, I get
0: them all the time. Intermediate tone it can be a high pitched yeah. tone or it can be an intermediate yeah. tone.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've uh, with when I've had tones when I was younger, that I was about 14, they were so loud I would drop. Dropped down on the ground. I just couldn't stand up. Um, I worked out that the tones are a method to determine your physical location. Imagine a billion people on a planet that are all hybrids, and you know they go that they're looking. They're in their you know control area wherever they are, and they're going, "Oh, where's that being?" And they just you know hit whatever technology they need, and it locates. Like you would have mobile phone, they use you know, the uh, geolocation for phones, uh, where is that person, how high are they, what elevation, those sorts of things. The tones uh, use a methodology to be able to um, uh, use the auditory sensation or auditory process within the human to actually relay information back to them. And now it's all quiet.
3: well you had, I'm gonna bring up a point since it was quiet that I wanted to bring up. you were you had mentioned about um, we were talking about missing time and and you were mentioning about being in the automobile. I had lost um, uh, half an hour a time uh, approximately when I was in college and uh, uh, when I started having these experiences on a regular basis. And I was driving h- home from college to my my, my hometown. And uh, this was my second year of college, and I had driven that drive so many times that I could do it in my sleep. And I was just driving, uh, uh, it was the middle of the afternoon on a Saturday, and um, the next thing I know, I'm kind of like, I'm awake and fully conscious driving the car, but all of a sudden I'm not where I thought I was And I'm 30 miles out of the way, uh, sitting at a a stoplight at a railroad crossing. And I was, it it was like all of a sudden like waking up, but I was already awake, you know, from like a waking dream. And I'm sitting there at this stop sign, I'm looking around, I'm like, I have no idea where I'm at. I'm completely like in a place I've never seen before. And I had to pull the car over at the first gas station I stopped at. I ran inside and I, I, grabbed a map off of the wall and started uh figuring out where i was at and i was 30 miles out of the way uh on some road that i'd never ever been on before
2: yeah yeah look we've got some questions piling up in the side now so we'll have a look at them what do the zetas look like well the thing is with the zetas um they look like the greys but the problem is is that they're different races of the greys and there's 60 Three races of the species; mm-hmm. they all look a bit different. Yeah, and it, different I mean heights, different heights, different colours, colours. Yeah. different uh, you know facial features. All these things. People, um, you know, have this um, the this typical uh, grey image in their mind. Mm-hmm. But we've been lucky to have um, dealings with a couple of other races. I think we've met. Five, right
1: five or maybe even six of yeah. the um, and boy station. oh boy you
2: know once you actually start interacting with them you can mm-hmm. see the difference it's really strange I think initially you can't and then once you've interacted with them you can tell them completely yeah. they look completely different
1: even within the set within one race of the 63 even within the one race they're they're different colors <laughs> depending on how old they are so it's yeah. um yeah, yeah it's, it's uh, yeah. Just
2: question, has anyone done any regression hypnosis? We haven't.
1: No, haven't. I have.
2: You have?
0: I have. Um, I, I will tell you that I've had some success with self-hypnosis uh, with several experiences that were very actually very pleasant. Um, and I, it was just mindfulness. It wasn't really intentional. But when I had a clinical psychologist and somebody else try to regress me, they, they couldn't get there because um, I was so defended against what had occurred that my conscious mind just would, would, would not allow me to to go there. That's my case. Other people have been able to, I just have not been able to get there. But I, I will say that in a, in a I, I wasn't intentional self-hypnosis, but in states of mindfulness at night, I've had several experiences that really had elements of what people report when they have a near-death experience and uh, a UFO experience at the same time there was a kind of a crossover where I was I was crossing going from a forest into a river valley and witnessed the most beautiful UFO coming down this river valley and at, at the best way to describe it is everything had consciousness it was like this quantum state yeah. that was just incredible and I, yeah. I remember consciously saying to myself this has elements of both it's not a dream because the craft there was contrast of luminosity between craft and this the surroundings that I don't get normally in dreams. And so I'm going. This is an interesting state of consciousness. I think I'm going to remember this, and so I did. Mm-hmm. And I'm reporting it now. So.
2: Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> um, the thing is, is um, uh, uh, there was a comment there that people don't some they don't trust the zetas. You know, I don't blame them. You know, um, but then do I trust humans either? Boy, oh boy. You know, you really need to work hard to build a relationship with the person. Yeah. And of course, if you're being taken or be, you're being abducted, um, you, a, a race may actually be um, transposing over the top of themselves an image that they know that would obfuscate your ability to be able to understand who's actually taking you. Yeah. So this is the thing. And so we as humans just go, oh, that's what's happening to me. But because of all the layers of stuff that's going on in between us and what's going on, there could be a lot of other things going on as well. And this comes back to getting um, uh, hypnotherapy or any type of therapy. You're really not sure if what is coming up through the screen memories, the truth or not, because it could be part of the, part of the programming that when you remember something that it gets, the narrative shifts a different way. Mm-hmm.
3: Right. Very tricky. I, I, was,
2: Neon, sorry. I was
3: hypnotized uh, as well. I did one session with, with a, a hypnotist and uh, got regressed for, we looked at three different experiences that I had had out of my chunk of encounters. And um, one specifically that I was trying to get to was um, Tom had mentioned about trying to get to the bottom of the missing time events. Um, I had my largest chunk of time uh, happened with a a encounter that occurred in uh, 2016, and I lost an hour and 45 minutes of time during an encounter. Uh, The blue orb had shown up. I was outside of my house and had an experience with the orb. And I went back inside my house and came back out for another cigarette. The orb showed back up. Um, I lost uh, track of of what was going on at that point. I went from sitting on my porch smoking a cigarette to um, coming to consciously on my neighbor's porch, looking over the roof at the ship flying off super quick. And I I was super elated and like overjoyed and was yeah. waving goodbye at this ship. And then um, felt totally disoriented, went over into my apartment, uh, was, was standing in the living room trying to figure out who I was, what was going on, looked at the clock and had had an hour and 45 minutes of missing time. My son who has contact with me as well had was asleep during this whole time. We went to bed and then i woke up in the morning and we found a symbol that he had uh, they had put on his hand of an upside down uh, equilateral pyramid or just like your triangle behind you on the wall and uh it it looked like a burn raised scar that was on his hand it was there for two weeks but i had lost an hour and 45 minutes of time and that's one of the things we looked at with the hypnotic regression I was able to remember everything that i'm consciously able to recall right now but was not able to tap into anything with that hour and 45 minutes And, and
2: this comes down to this comes down to this if you're a hybrid and you have a symbiotic relationship with two consciousness one spirit one extraterrestrial and they're in relationship right when you're on craft if they separate this one's given the narrative this is the spirit consciousness this ET consciousness is interacting with their own race. There's no way. I, I you know, I just don't believe that it's possible that if this ET consciousness that's you wants doesn't want you to know what's going on, it's your consciousness. It doesn't matter who's delving into it, what qualifications they've got, they're not going to be able to force your higher self to reveal its information. It doesn't want to.
3: Yeah. Someone said, yeah. do the Zinjins
2: have a sense of humour?
3: Yeah.
2: Not that I've seen.
3: <laughs> no. I they're do. Very, they're very <clears throat>
1: interesting to um, talk to. You have to be, you have to use very uh, structured language. You can't use abbreviations, any acronyms. You can't, you, you couldn't use like new age.
3: Well, like,
1: Phrase like indigo children or "Star Seeds." They've got no idea what you're talking about. You have to explain everything. Uh, the processes behind things for them to understand what you're uh, talking about. They, it's not like talking to a human. <laughs> I'll give you an
2: example of this is how the Zetas think, right? So, they'll if they're talking through me to to Sian, they'll tell her something. Yeah. And then six months later, or ten years later, somebody will ask the same question. Doesn't matter, not Cyan, Somebody else will ask the same question. They'll say we already answered that question,
1: and they've answered thousands,
2: thousands, and
1: thousands of questions. From their
2: perspective, yeah. if they speak to one human, they've <laughs> spoken to all humans.
1: Yeah. So, so if we if we have a group of people with us, which we do occasionally, um, to to speak to them um, through Paul, and somebody asks something that they've already answered before, they won't answer it because, as far as they're concerned. They've got that information.
2: And that's why, we have, <laughs> that's why we have to record all of the conversations. Yeah, yeah.
1: we've um. Pulled, um Thomas in. wants
0: to know yeah. yeah. Just a couple of points. Um, my wife and I both had a Missing Time episode simultaneously a few years ago. Um, interestingly, a, a day after um, I had spoken to Keek through Paul, we had had a conversation, but we had a Missing Time episode and the next morning, um, she came down and she said look at this she was she knew that she needed to look on the inside of her arm and once again she had the same markings that's in back of you including those points on there six millimeters and then two weeks later another one showed up on the inside of her leg as kind of a, like a confirmation or something um that's really need nice, to document it. Yeah. yes i have uh, yes a mutual f- friend has that has those has that picture i may on my on my mac but uh in any event I had an experience, interesting enough, a few years ago where I was kind of going, drifting off to sleep, and she came up into the room, and I had been looking towards Antares, and I sensed that I was kind of communi- communicating spontaneously. I started speaking to um, my wife as an intermediary of some, of some kind, but there, the best way to describe it, there was a me next to me that was interpreting what I was saying to her in yeah. old English. So I was saying... I was saying a language to her that I don't understand. um, But I was, another me next to me was interpreting it in an old English that was almost, well, well, old English. Like, you know, thou, but very formal and very respectful of her and supportive and so forth. But I was looking towards Antares. I don't know if there's a Zeta, part of a Zeta civilization in that direction or not.
2: Nobody would know that. Nobody How do we know the 63 races? Well, over the many, many years of working with them, we've we've just gleaned that information from them.
1: Yeah, uh, we've got a couple of um, books that are free to download via the website. Yeah, Um, And one of them was um, co-authored by a retired um, ex-government communication scientist, and he's studied a lot of of what's been um, the information that's been passed through the CETAs. Um, Claire says, was that a yes. light? Yes, it was. That's just the car passing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, not aliens. Not aliens, not this time. Today. Uh, I'm just scrolling through looking for questions just in case I've missed anything.
2: Uh, my, my thing I want to say about all of this is we have a massive range of, of people. So we've got people that are being abducted um, and they're really not wanting this to happen. And then we've got the experiences on the other end. People that are out there doing C five, people that have you know lasers in the sky, whatever, and so all that gradient in between, and so of course there's going to be people that just don't want this, can't stand it, not not interested, I and mean, then you've got a, a massive group of people on the other end that all want ET disclosure. Um, so in the middle of it, somewhere there's going to be some sort of middle ground at some point.
1: You you got a lot through hypnosis, I think. What uh, Shelley? Is talking about that. Yeah, I mean, it, the screen memories are very interesting. There are some that really won't shift. There are some um, that are designed to fail. Um, it's like they put a, a plaster and they leave the edge just slightly rivelled up. And when I don't know, something must activate it. Maybe your um, awareness expands to a certain point, your frequency elevates, maybe you've you've been meditating for 20 years, et cetera, et cetera, and your own consciousness is expanding that little bit more and it drops. You know, that that can always... That's happened to me a number of times and it can be a bit of a shocker.
2: But the thing that still comes to my mind is it doesn't matter what you think you get. Yeah. Even if you tell yourself that that's what's happened, Um, there's no way to know if it actually is what happened. Yeah. Because it's a narrative that you've been given. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's probably really unpopular, people don't want to hear that. But when you work with them a lot and you get to understand the way that they are able to um, influence consciousness, it's very, very difficult to really understand what's going on. And this links into disclosure. when humanity discloses today, so and then next week we're all outside looking at the sky waiting for the craft to come, how do we even know how to interact with these beings and how do they know how to interact with us as well? Um, So it's going to be a process where they need to develop some level of protocols to interact with humans and I mean all races, Um, look at um, the tall whites. Yeah. And uh, what was the name of that person? Uh, Charles, Charles Hall. Hall. Yeah. He spent a lot of time working with them and he was in fear for most of it because yeah. he didn't know whether he was going to be harmed. I mean, he was trying to work out what protocol to, to use talking to them. They were just in their own space doing what they wanted to do. If you haven't heard of that story, you should look it up.
3: Yeah, um,
2: very interesting. And it gives you an idea of what... what um, know sort of discarnate consciousness or problems exist between two different species talking to each other and understanding the inflection of a voice Mm -hmm. the action like the indulge in the supposedly you know some people were injured or killed uh, by a grey when they were being taught I mean there's a lot to this and it's not just uh, oh this is what's happening and I don't think any of us are able to say that we've got a full picture that that's really important. Uh guys, anything else that you'd like to say? Any any
3: really interesting stories,
2: healings, encounters.
3: My my son w- was healed uh, by my contact and his contact. Um he was born with cyclic neutropenia, a white blood cell deficiency and um they came and took him uh when he was about two and a half years old um uh, from my apartment when we were out by the place where i had the encounter with the owl right. so he had he was um he was asleep in the bedroom i had raised him and was a stay-at-home dad was spent every minute with him for the first two and a half years of his life uh he never ever once fussed or had a nightmare um we did have two weird experiences where he ended up outside of his crib when we were in our living room when he was very small and uh i would have thought he would have been harmed if he fell out of the crib but like we found him twice outside of the crib laying on the floor uh when we were in the living room and uh this experience happened um my son was over at my house at that time, he said he, it, was, it was night and we were getting ready to go to bed. He was, said he wanted to look at the moon, so we went outside and we're looking at the moon, and then I went and put him in bed, and I was in the living room reading. Uh, he was asleep for a couple hours and then woke up screaming bloody murder. So I ran into the other room and, and picked him up and was calming him down, and uh, he was terribly, terribly upset and said he wanted to go out and see the moon again. So when we were out seeing the moon the first time was when we saw the object, we, we were out there looking at the moon and I saw a, a craft appear in the sky and it was off in the distance, um, probably at the end of my street over, over a farm field that was beyond that. And it, it was up in the sky and was just blinking lights and he had noticed it and um i didn't think anything of it it like it was there in the sky and i was watching it and all of a sudden it dropped like it looked like it just fell to the ground and um we went inside and i put him to bed and then he wakes up terrified we go back outside to look at the moon and he says to me um uh, he called himself in the third person at that time he said you know they they took so-and-so up into the sky and i said who took so and so up in the sky? He says uh, the mean monster and the robot took me up into the sky. And I said, "What happened?" And he said, "They touched my belly, and there was blood." And then I said, "What what what happened then?" And he said, quite calmly to me, "They brought me back." Yeah, yeah, yeah. At age two and a half. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. Well, I mean, I've been having these experiences all my life and I was just like, I was thrown through the loop when, when, uh, that experience happened because I was just like, it was just there at that point I was like, okay, there's no more doubting this when it's to the point where they're, they're, uh, affecting my childhood, my, yeah. or my child, you know, they're, they're coming and taking my kid and immediately, um, you know, uh, at that time, he was going to the doctor like every couple of weeks for his blood work and we took I took him to the doctor the next time within like two or three weeks from that event. And that was the last time he had any, uh, any traces of the illness that he was born with. There you go. Yeah, You
2: see quite often. It's quite often that look, from my own experience, uh, and other people that I've spoken to going to the doctors may not be a comfortable experience. So sure. going on board a craft may not be a comfortable experience. <clears throat> but quite often, people are healed in mm-hmm. that contact. Uh, not always the first time, Could, could or the opposite applies, that uh, when they first get contacted, their immune system starts to fail. They mm-hmm. so are diagnosed with something like chronic fatigue syndrome and a lot of other uh, immune yeah. issues. Uh, by qualified medical practitioners. And um, they can have that reversed like Kathleen Martin did as well. She had her um, uh, immune system problem uh, reversed by the Zetas. Uh, one of the questions was by Susan Conlon, is this happening in generations of the two men's families?
0: The answer is yes, my my family, my, uh, yeah. my sister had multiple, uh, multiple, Experiences that we discussed. My mother did at least one. Uh, my father, I think, I did. My two brothers know. My grandmother on my father's side did have experiences and gave my sister partial knowledge of what she might expect. She seemed to have been given some information that my sister needed to, to know, but was not passed down to me. So it, it seems like it came down through my father's side of the of the of the family, but not so. But my mother too. So.
2: Yeah, generally it comes down through the female side of the family, but um, I've, yeah, I, I, I'm i pretty certain that that's, that's correct because we've spoken to a lot of people and when we sort of do that generational lineage work with them, mm-hmm. we're able to determine that it's generally come down through the, through the Mother the side. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It can skip a
1: generation as well. It can
2: skip a generation. Yeah. A lot of things is uh, some people refuse to acknowledge that it's happening their whole lives. And so they never speak about it to anybody. And then, so nobody never ever knows whether it really did skip a generation as well. Mm. Also the phenomenon itself, it, um, it exists with the races. Mm. And so just as you have consciousness around you, as you move through your time stream, so do these beings. And so as they move through your space, they affect the fabric and the energy of your, your reality. And so there'll be a lot of other phenomenon taking place, such as maybe spirit contact, poltergeist activity, mm-hmm. all these other things that are taking place as well.
1: And then you've got to try and work out what's what,
2: yeah, which could take a long it's, time. It's not clear and there's not clarity in regards to what goes on. This is the big thing with it. And I, I tweeted yesterday, I said, you know, just like a rabbit caught in the headlights, it's not that at all. It's what's behind it. And this is what everybody is at the moment. They're caught in the headlights. They're looking at the light, not Mm -hmm. understanding that it's not the light that you're supposed to be looking at. It's what's behind it that's going on. And if we could all just understand that, that it's not the phenomenon, that's just a byproduct of, of them. And they may not even be expecting us to understand that. But if we can understand that it's just us experiencing the phenomenon, then we can start to understand that it's what's really going on behind that that's important.
3: I want to make a comment on that in regards to uh, somebody a viewer had mentioned about. Do do you think that they have a sense of humor? And I would have to say that the whoever I'm in contact with definitely has a sense of humor, because uh, when I was ha- started having. Uh, uh, when I in 2015 and 2016, when I was having a lot of contact, um, that's when the paranormal uh, uh, got turned up. That's when all, all the strange things started happening in my house, and uh, I was touched several times by uh, by something that I know touched me. And uh, in the middle of the day, I'm standing there in my apartment, and something came up behind me. I psychically felt a presence. And then, um, I felt a hand on my shoulder and, uh, this happened more than once. This, this happened one morning when I woke up, I was laying in bed after I'd gotten up. And, uh, another situation was somebody had come and put their hand on me. I had a, a blanket over my knee and they put my, uh, their hand on my knee and, uh, I felt the presence of them. And then I would have situations where objects would uh, would disappear from where they were supposed to be, and then uh, reappear other places, and or just be gone for several days, and then reappear back where they where they went missing.
2: So that Neil, that's called asports, asports, mm-hmm. an asport, and a port is when something's physically manifested from spirit realm, like you know a, a ring or something materializes on the Points. table but an asport is when it's moved from one part, like car keys or something to the other. And spirit people do that a lot.
1: Thomas, we understand you have uh, an engagement you have to pop off to, so we'll say bye to you now. Oh, and nice. thank you. I'll see
0: you, thank you guys soon, okay? Yeah,
1: cheers. Your, have a good <laughs> evening, guys. Thanks, um, bye. Nice
0: to meet you, Neil, bye-bye. Nice to meet you.
1: Yeah, when the, the thing about, when when we have a lot of extraterrestrial contacts going on around us, we, um. Oh, Maybe I have to remove Tom from the room. Hang on. Let me see if I can do that. Click. Woo, there we go. Click. Um, oh, and now I can do this. There you go. Oh, I'm getting good at this. Um, it, it increases the amount of um, spirit activity and, and other paranormal activity as well. So we spend a long time working with people trying to work out what is what, you know, what is the extraterrestrial uh, component of the of all their experiences going on around them what are spirit people and um, what's actually being generated by the person themselves they don't even realize um our experience of, of working with the ets having them in the house fairly frequently and because we can see them in the house um, is that they're not they're really not interested in the anything earthly. They really are there for other reasons. Whereas the spirit people, they like to get our attention by moving objects around. If I was working with you and saying, maybe what's going on, that the feeling of the the hand on the shoulder and feeling that presence behind you, I'd say that is a, uh, if if I had to form an opinion, um, is highly likely to be a spirit person trying to say hello to you and get your attention.
2: And that's what I was saying about... The phenomenon itself that is uh, generated by them yeah. actually causes you or the spirit people the ability to interact with the living that's that's the thing and the more the more extraterrestrial phenomenon you have around you the more spirit contact you have as well
1: yeah it's, it's really common we see it all the time uh, with people the more their extraterrestrial contact increases the more the spirit activity increases around them as well
3: yeah i feel like at that time uh <clears throat> like all my abilities got turned up at that time it was mm-hmm. it was like a jump i felt after i had a um, situation where i almost died in 2013 and uh was pretty sick for a, uh, quite a while I was in the hospital for several weeks and i uh, had to have a emergency surgery and um everything got turned up at that point point. and then um when uh, the activity in 2015 and 2016, where I was calling in a lot of ships and, and uh, having business that's when the the uh, other paranormal things started happening in in the house: shadow beings, um, the touching, the uh, objects moving from places to place or disappearing and then reappearing, or completely disappearing, and just never coming back, and then. Um, We were seeing flashes of blue light at that time in the apartment my son and i well we would be in the living room and and there was a mirror that reflected the bedroom uh from the hallway and Mm. uh in the bedroom um where i slept is where these bright flashes of light would appear in the room
2: Mm. right somebody made a comment about the anunnaki before And it's really interesting because we've actually had contact with the Anunnaki. The Anunnaki, Nancy says, the Anunnaki did a number on us. (laughs) You know what? Without the Anunnaki, there wouldn't be a human species. Here we would be, And yes, they have actually admitted that they created humans as a slave race. So, uh, as much as we don't like the Anunnaki. um,
1: That was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. Not anymore. Uh, If
2: it wasn't for them, we wouldn't all be sitting here talking that's all it comes down to and this species of humans that currently exist here isn't the first species on this planet either and these we are humans are an introduced species and they have been introduced multiple times to this planet okay so yeah that's a very interesting conversation in itself as well all right so
1: yeah, that, that, I think Neil. we've got all the questions. We've
2: done all the questions. We've had a chat with you. Yeah. We had a chat with Thomas. And yeah. I think that it's time for us to wrap up. I think
1: it is.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So um,
2: it was lovely to have everybody on yeah. today. Thank,
1: Thank you. Thanks for having
2: pleasure. me. Thank yeah. you,
1: yeah. Neil. Speak to you again.
2: I'll hand the golden mouse back to oh. the controller. Go on. I'm
1: so the technical the controller. Uh, I, I'm much more comfortable banging rocks together around a fire <laughs> really? okay. All right, All yeah. right. Thank
2: you very much for coming on and um, Thank you to here.
1: everybody Yeah, yeah. Thanks, what great. was I going to say if you want uh, more information about what we do if you go to the uh, show information then our website address is there, there's lots more information about there and the downloads for the books are there as well um, Neil's information is in the show information in the same place as is Thomas as well if you want to have a little read about that okay all right let's let's do this thing we will see you all in a week
2: you're not going to play my funky intro are you
1: no, what, that's it, the what, intro. It, what did you think
2: of my intro with the the phasing in of the three <laughs>
0: <I
1: like that. laughs> yeah. no. it's, it who who somebody asked what they look like that's how they appeared to yeah. me on one occasion so i drew that
2: <laughs> all right
1: all right we'll see you all in a week yeah bye Take care, everybody Bye you